Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Hugh Ballou, founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, where we help leaders build synergy around their vision to actually connect the dots from strategy to performance. That's where we have the most trouble. We need lots of tools. We need to learn to master the tools. We build the skills, but we also bring in experts in many fields. And our guest today got some really great stuff to share. So I'm going to go right to the interview. And Eric Ressler, please tell people a little bit about who you are and your background. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited. Uh, so I'm Eric Ressler. I'm the founder and creative director of Cosmic. We're a social impact creative agency. So we work with nonprofits, uh, B Corps, funders, government, basically the social impact sector entirely, and help them with their branding, their design, building out digital experiences. My background is uh, in design as a designer. I've started when I was quite young, really a self-taught kind of person. So did a lot of cutting my teeth doing freelance work in my early professional years. Uh, fast forward to the beginning of Cosmic, which is um, coming up on 13 years old at this point as an entity. We started our business uh, really focused on just doing design for anyone who needed design in the early days. Um, based here in Santa Cruz, California, pretty connected to Silicon Valley. We're doing a lot of work with startup organizations and B2B brands and some B2C brands as well. And after about seven years of doing that, we realized, hey, we really need to find our own kind of purpose, our own stake in the ground that we can really own and develop some deeper expertise around. We have a lot of expertise around design, digital experiences, marketing, communication, but we're doing it for everyone. We're too unfocused. And so we made the choice to really narrow our focus into the social impact sector. We didn't know what to call it at the time, but we knew we wanted to do work that was meaningful to us that was moving humanity forward and that was focused on helping people. And we looked back at our portfolio and noticed that a lot of our most effective, impactful, and meaningful work really happened to be around doing work with nonprofits, with B Corps, with some you know local government um, organizations that were all working towards helping people. And so we've been on this path, serving the social impact sector, we're coming up on about seven years now, and we get to really experiment with different tactics and strategies and have developed a point of view around how it's a little bit distinct doing this same work around design and branding and marketing in the social impact sector compared to doing it for corporate entities who are selling products and really trying to maximize profit over purpose. And what's your passion? Why do you do this? I love design and I love people and I love answering the question, what place does does design have in the social impact sector? So I love the word, the term social impact. We we call this the nonprofit exchange, but the nonprofit is sort of identifying the sector, which is charities, nonprofits, tax exempt organizations, but it's a lie. You know, the nonprofit also puts us right into the scarcity thinking. And one of those, and Dan Pallotta in his TED talk on the, the way we think of charity is dead wrong. Um, that we cannot spend money on marketing. It's the scarcity thinking. So that's a myth. And so why do nonprofits, let's start right there. Why should nonprofits think seriously about marketing? I love that talk from Dan. And it's one that I've referenced many times and it resonates with me a lot. Um, 
it's interesting because I think there's a lot of reasons why we got into this place where we are today. Um, I mean, I do think it's shifting. First of all, there's been a lot more interest and investment in marketing and funders are starting to fund it in, in better ways. But I think traditionally this, this does come from the scarcity mindset. It comes from restricted funding where nonprofits may even want to invest in branding and marketing, but their hands are tied because their funding is, is tied up in, you know, specific programs or specific ways they can spend their money even within those programs. And so this leaves a lot of nonprofits without enough overhead. And overhead is this kind of this boogeyman term in the nonprofit world. It's it's changing again, but traditionally that's what it's been, right? And I think that that thinking obviously needs to change. I mean, this is something that I think many people have been fighting for for a long time. So this isn't maybe a unique perspective, but it uniquely affects our ability to do work for nonprofits. Um, overhead is not bad if it's used wisely. Another word for overhead is investment, right? Investment in your own team, investment in things that um, allow you to do the rest of your work effectively. So we see the power of brand and design as a very worthwhile, if not integral investment in the success of your nonprofit, or if you are a B Corp or um, a different entity that's still focused on doing purposeful work. And I think a lot of times design and branding can be thought of as an exercise in aesthetics, right? Something like, how do you look? What are your colors? You know, what's your logo? And that's certainly true, but that's a very surface level interpretation of design and branding. And if you start to really take that more seriously and more deeply, it really affects so much more than that from a clarity of purpose for your mission and your vision through building out your internal team culture to making decisions around how you actually position yourself within the larger so social impact ecosystem. And so if you really fully incorporate design and design thinking and branding and brand building into your organization, it has the ability to really supercharge your ability to create an impact and to become an impact multiplier instead of a, a cost or um, something that you're just investing in. So um, our journey in Center Vision Leadership Foundation is to um, help this sector we're talking about, this 501c3 tax exempt, social be social benefits, social service, um, social impact organizations, whatever we call it, but we serve we serve people and the, we impact people's lives. So our place in it is to create a place where they're they're fundable. If you have your strategy, you have a unique value proposition. And once we have that together, you're marketable. You can market because that's the tools you need to be able to market. So the other, other book that stands out is the Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And we tend to go into the weeds. We do all these things for people. And, and the listener doesn't understand why it's important or why it's needed. So is is the why part part of marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because we work with organizations who are kind of different stages of the life cycle of, of being an organization. So we've worked with organizations who are just spinning up, right? It's a brand new entity and they're coming in to help us even determine what that why is, or if not what it is, how to express it in a way that's clear. We also work with organizations who've been around for 50, 100 plus years, even sometimes, especially some of our university clients. So there's, I think what we find is that sometimes organizations, even if they feel like they have a clear why, they don't have a good brand story or brand narrative developed around that why. 
or if they do, it's often focused around their own priorities and telling a story about themselves instead of telling a story about how their work actually impacts people, how it actually improves humanity, and how someone can get involved to support if this is pulling on their heartstrings or feeling like a worthwhile endeavor. So you use this term about organizations who are fundable, organizations who are marketable. I mean, really, I think what this comes down to at the end of the day is having a strong business plan, just like a, pro a for-profit organization needs. Nonprofits need to move away from this kind of scarcity mindset and and charity way of thinking about funding into building sustainable, diversified revenue streams. And that may be still 90% grants and gifts and 10% something else. Oftentimes it's a mix of things, as you guys know. So I think branding and marketing and design can have a place in many parts in that. It can help to determine what is even the right path. Oftentimes we, we bring clients on and we realize that they have all these programs that have been spun up over the years and essentially have become kind of mission creep. And a lot of times the purpose of their organization, the the reason they started gets kind of lost in the weeds a little bit. And so we spend a lot of time helping organizations really identify like, what are your unique strengths as an organization that no one else, even in your focus area can do at the same level that you can? What are you your unique differentiators against those other folks? what is your case for appeal or case for being fundable? Like why should people support you? And what is the impact of support going to actually lead to? And it's kind of surprising how often clients don't have answers to those questions that are clear. If they can't answer those questions to us, how can we market them? How can we actually help them figure out how to increase funding? So, so back to what, so we help people. So if we have a client, that's a perfect referral. Then you can really do your work and help them. We we create a strategic plan from which you can extract your business plan part of it and your executive summary. So it's it's kind of it's an operational document, but you can get those other fundable documents, marketing documents, uh, whatever. So um, David, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that uh, this man knows what he's talking about. Um, Eric, for think about this for a minute. I'm a strategic philanthropist. That's what I call myself. Um, I work with clergy, nonprofits, and NGOs. And you're absolutely right. Those are tough questions for most business owners, let alone nonprofits or servant organizations. But what can be, you know, and philanthropy is often a misunderstood term uh, there's checkbook philanthropists, there's volunteers, there's all of different aspects of it. But what can philanthropists do um, to help to help organizations improve the impact that they're making um, by using a stronger brand? So I think to dig into this term philanthropists in, in different ways. So if we if we think about philanthropists or philanthropy from the lens of a funder, right? Organizations or institutions or sometimes individuals who are actually, they're not doing the work, so to speak, the boots on the ground work. They're identifying nonprofits or, um, you know, or organizations who are doing the work and saying, okay, we're going to fund you. The thing that those folks can do, and, and I think we're seeing positive trends here is 
provide grants and gifts in an unrestricted way to organizations, not restricting it to a particular program, trusting that those organizations know best how to do their work, providing them with resources, yes, providing them with a network, but not micromanaging their work, identifying them, you know, vetting them to a reasonable degree in a way that doesn't require, you know, many, many hours of arduous work that may not pay off for nonprofits applying to grants. And if possible, set them up for, you know, multi-year general operating grants, not, you know, one-off gifts. Because part of the issue that our nonprofit clients run into all the time is they spend all this time and resource competing for grants that they may or may not get. And then once they even do get the grant, it's so prescriptive and doesn't necessarily fit into their operations that they're having to kind of spin up this new arm to the business and build capacity for it. And that is what leads to mission creep and program creep and some of the problems that we have to deal with when organizations come to us and say, we're having a hard time telling our story. And it's like, well, what is even your story anymore? Here's what it was when you started. Here's how you've grown over time. But again, like, how are you different? Like, how do all these different disparate programs and parts of work actually fit together in a way that's um, clear and meaningful and actually leads to an impact? So funders are part of the problem sometimes because they've essentially forced organizations to spin up these new programs that are maybe like, there's a, you know, there's a Venn diagram around how it overlaps with their core work, but there's also a part that's just kind of out of left field too. And so if funders instead, and again, we're seeing good trends with this, and I think this is the future of, you know, what's effectively been dubbed like trust-based philanthropy, is that instead finding organizations that have uh, have built some level of success and a proven track record and giving them trust and giving them multi-year general operating grants so that they can use that money in the way that's best served for them, including investing in things like branding and marketing, which traditionally don't have a line item in an, an annual operating budget, especially for smaller nonprofits. Yeah, David and, and Eric, before you, David goes to his, he's brewing another question. Let's, we've talked about branding and I've found many organizations that have, a, they've just developed a pretty logo and say, here's our brand. So let's put some framework around what is, what is a brand and what are the component parts? You talk about the brand, brand image, brand promise. What are, what are the component parts and why is, just talk about branding for David goes his next question. So I think it's important for us to understand that. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. Cause it's one that I often skip and it is so fundamental. And I think there's a lot of different misconceptions around what a brand is. So the way that I think about a brand is a brand is a relationship that you create with your supporters or your community and the logo and the colors and some of the things that traditionally are thought of as a brand are really just containers that you fill with actions that you take in the real world. So for example, if you're building a brand around a promise of moving humanity forward in one way or another as a social impact organization, the actions that you take every day as an organization, both internally with your own team and externally with your supporters and your community and your partners are either strengthening that brand promise or they're weakening that brand promise. So you're either moving towards that through your actions or you're moving away from it by taking actions that don't support that promise. And so when you're actually talking about branding, you're really talking about relationship building, building credibility for your organization, building a reputation for your organization. 
And so the actions that you take, the impact that you make is ultimately what builds or breaks a brand. So a brand is something that you have to nurture and you have to maintain over time and grow over time and build over time. It's not something that you do once and then it's done. And yes, again, like the logo is kind of the, the crown jewel and the crown of the brand, the colors and the expression of the brand are kind of the, the tone and the personality and, and creates what's called essentially brand recognition so that as you show up in people's social feeds or email inboxes, instantly you get recognized because you've built that brand reputation through consistency and in, in how you actually show up. But a brand and brand building is really at the end of the day about meaningful human connection and coming through on the promise that you make as an organization. Yay. Oh, yeah, I'm liking it. Good stuff. I'm going to change direction a little bit and talk a little bit about the, what I'll call the stakeholders of a uh, service organization, the people that you work with, the people that you should be working with them. Stakeholders are the boards, the committee chairs, the volunteers, the employment staff, the employed staff, and everybody that's directly affiliated with the organization. And you mentioned about brand awareness and brand recognition. But let's say it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And one of your volunteers goes into a restaurant, has a little bit too much to drink. People look at them and say, what's going on? How does an organization breathe the philosophy or breathe their brand into everybody? I know that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I think this comes down to essentially creating a really strong culture around the brand, right? Internally. And I don't think this is the kind of thing that is ever solved by having really strong brand guidelines or a brand manual or even a strategic plan. Like I think culture is built through leadership and leading by example. And so it's how we show up each day and assuming most organizations are, are somewhat hierarchical and have some you know levels of leadership and management and staff, um, people look to how other people in the organization act, make decisions, their behavior, their habits as culture, right? More so than documentation, what, what's written down and stored on some Google Drive somewhere. So, you know, some of it comes down to training and like having that all, you know, your culture and your brand promise and your brand narrative clear and defined and that there's a clarity of purpose that drives everything that you do. But at the end of the day, your culture is really built more by how everyone at the organization shows up each day. And that really starts usually from the core founding team and leadership and how they show up each day and continue to show up over time. So in that example, you know, if someone for whatever reason in any situation is 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 exhibiting behavior that is off brand or not uh, you know part of the brand culture you know uh, there's ways to approach that and i think that this somewhat gets into kind of like depending on how bad uh the situation is like crisis management right like P from like a pr standpoint i mean i think that if if anyone in the organization, including the founding team or leadership or the executive director or the board chair 
is exhibiting behavior or making choices or decisions that are misaligned with the brand promise or the brand culture, it needs to be addressed. And how that gets addressed, there's multiple ways to do it. Um, sometimes it needs to be a public apology. Um, sometimes it means that that person needs to leave the organization if it was atrocious enough and, you know, uh, essentially irreparable behavior. But I think oftentimes it's not the big things that matter. It's the little small things over time that start to shift and drift away from kind of the core culture that was intended behind the initial formation of the organization that you have to be more worried about. The big things kind of tend to be, yeah, annoying and and potentially even a crisis and uh, more of an emergency. But I, I'd actually be more wary of the small shifts over time because those are more entrenched and intractable and more difficult to solve for. Good answer. So we we see people all the time. Oh, I have a Facebook. Please go like like my Facebook account. They think that's marketing. So there's there's um, PR. We can do some posting and PR, creating your 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 position of influence out there and talking about why people need you or why what you do, why people should fund you. There's a lot of reasons. So there's there's PR, there's marketing, and there's sales. So where do you fit in that? And we probably need all of them, but we got to ultimately get donors, get board members. We need results. That's the bottom line. So where do you fit in that? So, I mean, my my background and my agency really fits in in essentially the marketing category. I mean, at the end of the day, like I consider myself to be a designer um, and I, I think about design in a very broad sense. So I consider marketing to be a form of design. Um, I even consider program design to be a form of design. If you start to get all the way through to, you know, design thinking and, and methodology around design thinking, that can influence how you actually show up and do the work in the real world as well. And we don't really tend to go quite that far with our clients usually, but we do have to understand things from a designer's lens and kind of really look at like, what is the desired future state you're working towards? What are the problems? What are the barriers? What are the obstacles? Kind of what is this kind of, usually the problems are, are you know, wicked problems or thorny problems are not straightforward, right? These are some of the most difficult problems in the world that organizations are trying to solve that haven't been solved traditionally by government or by the corporate sector, right? That's usually how nonprofit organizations pop up to exist as they're trying to, to tackle some of these really wicked problems. And so we really do need to understand things deeply to be able to help with marketing and communication. So how we actually help our clients, it depends on where they are and, and why they come to us and what they need. But I would say, broadly speaking, everything that we do is under the lens of design. And then more pointedly, how how does how does design show up today in this podcast is being recorded in 2023, where so much of our communication is happening through digital channels and platforms. And that affects how you need to show up and what your strategy should be from a marketing standpoint, from a fundraising standpoint. You know, I think our work can be really integral to the success of fundraising. And it really just depends on, again, the type of fundraising and revenue structure an organization has. Is it a grassroots organization that's national or international in nature that's trying to build up a movement of thousands or hundreds of thousands of small donors? Well, that you know is one approach that leads to a very distinct set of choices and strategies from a design standpoint and a marketing standpoint that's very different from an organization that's regional, 
that's 90% funded by government grants, right? Like where does design fit in there? It still has a place for it, but it's a very different place. So I think there's some fundamental truths that I think are consistent across pretty much any organization and that we believe in. Like you need to have a strong brand. You need to have a, an impact story that's clear, that resonates with your target audience. And you need to have a digital hub or a website that is your home base for sharing stories. I think that's true pretty much for everyone. From there, when it starts to get more tactical, like what channels should we use? What should our content strategy be? How should our fundraising strategy work and be supplemented by design? That starts to get significantly more um, contingent around the specifics of the organization. One of our sponsors is a uh, mail house. It's old fashioned mail it and they get it at home. And I, I know it works because I get a lot of stuff in my mail. Um, but he's got two decades of experience and three million mailings. But he, uh, his focus is top of mind. So, fit, you know, you, I look at a tire commercial and I'm amused. I don't need tires. So, I, but when I need tires, it's when I'm going to be serious about it. And if it's there now, People don't, we don't know, people don't always need or don't always want to donate or don't always want to volunteer, but talk about top of mind and frequency of posting within these frameworks you're talking about with the, the right message and the right branding, et cetera, right design. I think it's a super interesting question, especially right now, because we're in this new era, this attention economy, essentially, where our attention is being bought and sold by corporations and it's harder to capture uh, every day. And so I think we're all feeling overwhelmed by just the amount of information coming to us. And so how do you as a social impact organization, you know, play in that attention economy effectively? How do you cut through all of that noise? Some people's approach is frequency. Okay, everyone's, you know, trying to reach people, I'm just going to reach people every single day and hope that some of my stuff breaks through. You know, I think there's a strategy there. I, I don't think it's a good long-term strategy. Um, and so I think you need to gauge and find a balance of like, what is the right cadence of frequency for our communications, our um, essentially like our relationship with our organizations um, and our supporters that we can maintain as an organization and create, um, you know, worthwhile content, not just dribble, um, dribble, not just, you know, noise for the sake of noise like what can we put out that actually is meaningful and maybe that's 12 emails a year that are really impactful instead of 12 a month that are just fluff right i you know it we really need to look at this strategically and so i think what we see is that if you approach your marketing and your communications thinking about it like an authentic conversation the way that you would want to treat a person it really kind of helps you understand what the right strategy is for your organization. So if you had a friend that you cared about deeply and you wanted to get their attention, would you just bombard them with, you know, annoying text messages every single day with no meaning behind them? That would be a really quick way to end that friendship, right? But we do this all the time with our communications. We do. We do. We don't realize the negative impact it has. So the big area you could help with people with where it's coming to my my presence is um, the relevance. We we get money from people. We're stewards of other people's money, and we purpose it for good. And I think the primary communication is to tell people the results you yeah. have. Created. You've been a partner in this, so that's a big piece that we miss out on. 
in with your expertise, you know, that's part of the strategic communications and it's through conversation. So I think you're, what you're telling us is, is something people need to embrace. So Eric, we, we have a nonprofit, so we don't do a call to action. We don't sell things, but we got, we got, we want people to go to your website because, and when you, there's things that you have that can benefit people a lot and they can learn more. So the, the website is design by cosmic, C-O-S-M-I-C, designed by cosmic.com. So for people watching the video, I'll show on the screen, but for those listening on the podcast, what will people find when they get there? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of the standard stuff, uh, just kind of telling our story, case studies of our work, all of that, which is great if you're just kind of interested in how some of these ideas actually show up in practice. But I think there's a couple more specific things that'd be helpful for your audience. One, we penned a manifesto a couple of years back that kind of takes some of these concepts into a framework. Um, so you can either experience it right here on on the site, or there's also, um, it's called The Revolution is Digital. You can find it on pretty much any podcast platform as well as an audio version, if that's more your style. Um, and that just kind of goes a little bit more deep into some of these um, these ideas, our point of view on this work. And that's a really great place to start. Uh, it's not tactical though. It's not meant to be. So if you're looking for more specific, tactical, actionable advice, if you believe in the way that we believe in doing this work, we also have an insights tab on our site that has articles, white papers, free downloads, resources, essentially uh, other links to podcasts like this that we've been on. So it's a good kind of resource hub if you're interested in kind of digging deep into any of these topics and figuring out how to actually apply them into the work that you're doing every day. Love it. It's called Design by Cosmic. We're going to, David and I are going to invite people to the community, but in the, in the, think about your closing comments. What do you want to leave people with today? So David and I um, facilitate uh, conversations in, in a, a community, a private community, the Cinevision community. You don't have all the distractions and toxic comments on the social media platforms. It's where we focus on helping each other, sharing with each other, telling stories and networking. It's 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 Cinevision community. You can get there. Um, you can get there by going to nonprofitcommunity.org nonprofitcommunity.org is the easy way and it leads to this center vision community so david you got a you got one soundbite to share with people about the impact it has on their work sure everything that we focus on in the center vision community is to be a better leader a better organization and we share information and tools that they can benefit from and there's two levels of membership. There's a free membership that's got all kinds of great content that they can access. It's also a, a platform to network with, to learn, to share, and to network with people of like mind and interest. One more thing, we also produce a monthly digital magazine that has a variety of things in it, including um specific projects that one organization might be trying to you know showcase a little bit more we have some experts we have some jokes we have some you know cartoons that kind of stuff but it's all good stuff it's non-political and if you have you yourself have an interest in being a guest contributor anybody who's listening to this can be a guest contributor just by sending an email to either Hugh at centervisionleadership.org or David 
at centervisionleadership.org. And we'll, we'll be happy that, to put it in. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you, David, for that. That's good. So, Eric, our differentiator is we have the tools, but our differentiator is we build the capacity of the leader to actually fully utilize those tools and engage their teams. So we've learned a lot today. You've been yeah, so, we're so we're so aligned in what we do. What do you want to leave people with today? So my hope is that, you know, uh, if this resonates with you, that uh, within a social impact organization, you you start to at least attempt to bring design, design thinking, branding, and marketing into your core work, into your culture, and not as something that is just an afterthought if there's extra time or money which there never is extra time or money, especially in the social impact space. And that you approach it with uh, and through a lens of curiosity and empathy, because those are the tools of designers. And we believe strongly that they can help supercharge your work every day. David, I think we got a period on this one. I think so. Great interview. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.